Good afternoon. This is John Richardson speaking with you from Toronto, Canada. Today is Monday, December the 19th, 2022. And for listeners to this podcast, you will know that I have been doing a series of podcasts over the last while, actually over the last year or so, with various people who I believe will help you get from A to B in terms of your financial futures, goals, objectives, whatever they may be. And today it is my distinct honor and privilege to introduce to you Nancy Grooney, who is with Objective Financial Partners in Toronto. And this is actually very, very good because so many of the people who I've done podcasts with are in other parts of the world. So it's nice to have somebody not only from Canada, but a hop, skip, and a jump from where I am sitting. So welcome, Nancy. How are you doing today? Oh, thank you, John. I'm very happy to be here. Doing well, thank you. How are you? I am very well. Okay. Um, So, you know, we've had discussions over the last whatever year or something like that, eight months, 12 months, I don't know, uh, on various various issues. And, And what interests me about what you do is that you are a completely uh, independent uh, person who gives advice or advisor or or whatever. So let's begin by maybe you can introduce yourself, not only in terms of who you are, but what is it you do exactly? Okay, sure. Happy to do that, John. So I'm a fee-only, advice-only financial planner planner and our firm is based out of Markham, Ontario, although I do work remotely and we work with clients actually across Canada as well as around the world via web conference, via Zoom. Um, We don't sell any products or receive any referral fees whatsoever. We only sell our time. And so we're paid exclusively upfront by our clients, whether it's individuals or perhaps even investment firms. The fees are predetermined um, as flat fees. Typically, that's the most common structure or hourly fees. And uh, we, our goal really is to provide simplicity to complex issues and help individuals live a life more confidently with a financial roadmap. Okay, well, that sounds great. I saw a very interesting article in last week's Globe, Globe and Mail, and I don't know if this is true, but I assume it probably is true. Perhaps you'd like to comment that something like only 20% of people uh, these days uh, can look forward to having uh, a pension. By that, I mean something other than Canada Pension Plan. And that, do you, can you comment on that? Do you think that's accurate? Well, it, it definitely, um, you know, the trend is such that defined benefit pension plans are gradually been phased, you know, being phased out. And so it's really more and more common for the onus to fall on the client. And, you know, in order to provide for their retirement and invest the funds either via, you know, defined contribution plan, which is really what's most common that's out there right now. Um, And, uh, and so this really emphasizes the importance of planning all the more, because it's, it's more difficult um, if uh, if a client needs to plan for their retirement entirely versus just receiving a, a fixed pension in in uh, in retirement. Well, it certainly is. I mean, it's difficult anyway, but I mean, it's certainly a lot easier to just get a, a defined benefit pension, but those are basically on the way out. Um, you know, 
it may sound ridiculous to ask you this question, but I think I'll start with this. Do you find that, in fact, most people in the world today realize that they need to take responsibility for their financial futures? Um, I would say generally not, uh, that that's not the case. People don't realize that they need to take responsibility. Uh, I think sometimes what happens, though, is life is just so busy and chaotic. And, you know, we saw what happened with the pandemic. I think a lot of people are just completely overwhelmed. And then what happens as a person's uh, situation becomes more complex. So I happen to work with a lot of business owners. In fact, that's my specialty. There are so many moving parts that they're juggling in their financial picture that it's, it's, it becomes a, a bit overwhelming. And so the thought of taking time out to get this all sorted out is um, it can be rather daunting. Um, and in fact, the, many people don't even know where to start. And, and really that's where I come in is to provide holistic planning so that we can, you know, provide oversight. I can provide oversight or quarterback their financial picture, um, because after all, you know, all of these independent moving parts are really integrated, rather than um, looking at things on a piecemeal basis. Which I think typically is how the financial industry is laid out. Each advisor, each professional is just looking at their piece of the pie. An investment advisor, they're they're just looking at the client's portfolio that the client has with them, never mind what they have outside um, of that particular institution, insurance, et cetera. Um, but there's no one person oftentimes just kind of overlooking all of these moving parts. So sometimes what happens is the right hand doesn't know what the left hand is doing. And the advice, some of the advice that's given can be contradictory and, conf and conflicting. So I really seek to remove that potential conflict by providing that holistic planning advice. So you're saying that uh, a lot of people uh, don't even know they need to take responsibility for this. And of the ones who do, another huge chunk of those people don't even know where to begin. Exactly. Um, I like to put it this way, too. We don't know what we don't know. Okay. All right. So how now you're, you're giving it, uh, advice only on a fee-based basis. Uh, I mean, there cannot be that many people in, in this whole space in Canada who operate in that way. Is that the case? That's true. Um, as a matter of fact, there are about uh, 90,000 financial advisors just for perspective of uh, of the 90,000, we've got 25,000 financial planners, approximately 18,000. So we're, you know, moving up the period pyramid here, 18,000 certified financial planners. And then of the 18,000 certified financial planners, there are only 150 individuals, not companies, uh, people that do what I do, which is provide advice only, financial planning help. Um, without the sale of any product whatsoever or the receipt of referral fees, which I think is also really important to note. So that's unbelievable. So 33 or 35 million people in Canada, and there's only 150 people who do what you do. That's right. That's right. It's, um, it's a more difficult model to follow because uh, we're solely getting compensated for the advice that we give. 
and and not based on any product or or referrals that are provided. Do you find that people are reluctant to pay for advice? Um, I actually don't find that the case. You know, uh, oftentimes because. By the time someone has reached out to us, they've done a bit of reading on the on the topic, and also they're they find it very refreshing to be able to speak with someone who will be able to provide unbiased advice and not have their advice skewed because they're going to be compensated one way or another. Uh, so we get you know I get paid up front. I, I you know I don't really care whether my client follows any particular direction in terms of the recommendations, what I really care about is that they do what's right for them and that I provide them and equip them with the knowledge necessary in order to make informed financial decisions. So I'm not, I'm also not that person that comes in and says, you should do this and you shouldn't do that. That's for the client to decide, but I like to empower them to be able to make those types of decisions on an informed basis. All right. Well, that's, that's great stuff. Now, you know, going back to your pyramid for a minute from the ground up, I think you said that there were 90,000 financial advisors. I think that was the first word mm -hmm. you used. What's an advisor anyway? So a lot of times, so financial advisors are persons who manage client portfolios and who provide investment advice to their clients. And that's really their area of expertise or their focus. Um, how do they get compensated? They get compensated based on the products that are sold. So some financial advisors uh, have their clients in managed products and they receive an annual fee, but it is based on the total asset value um, of, of the assets under administration with, with, that, uh, with that particular advisor. Sometimes they get compensated for selling insurance. So some financial advisors are also insurance licensed. And that can be part of the picture as well. They would receive compensation based on insurance, that is insurance products that are sold as well, right. potentially. Now, when we use the, the words financial advisor, is this, um, I mean, I know there's such a thing as a, as a certified financial planner, but generally speaking, uh, are there any qualifications or licenses that are required to call yourself a financial advisor? Um, well, typically for, a, yeah. So you would, you know, if someone's a financial advisor, then typically they are licensed to sell securities. So they would take the Canadian securities course um, and potentially other courses as well in order to be licensed to sell product. So that, that's the qualification there. Um, but I, I really think regardless of the title that anyone has, that the best teacher is experience and having hands-on experience with as many varied client circumstances uh, as possible and backgrounds as possible. Right. So you mentioned that a lot of your clients are small business owners. Mm-hmm. What what is sort of distinctive about the situation of a small business owner that might not apply to somebody, you know, sort, sort of a, a high income employee, for example? Well, those considerations are quite different because a business owner has another pool of assets from which to draw upon and from which initially to accumulate funds. 
So corporate taxation as well is an entirely different piece with um, very distinct, you know, tax legislation pertaining to small businesses. So active business income within a corporation is taxed quite differently than employment income personally earned. And there are a variety of other considerations for business owners. For example, what should they pay themselves uh, from their corporation year by year? And uh, how should they structure the compensation? And the answers change every year, depending on current tax legislation, current tax rates, combined with their own personal needs. How much should they leave in the corporation? Should they save personally to their RSVs and TFSAs as well? Um, what should the corporate share, corporate structure look like? Uh, are there any issues that way? Um, it's, it's a great also, you know, income splitting vehicle potentially during retirement. And so then for retirees, there are a different set of considerations as far as, okay, now I have saved, you know, whatever it is, a million, two million, three million dollars inside my corporation. How do I get it out in a tax efficient manner? And how do I balance that with everything else going on in my financial life? CPP, OAS, uh, RIF payments, and potentially pensions, et cetera. And so that's the kind of work that I do is um, discuss, you know, what does a tax efficient drawdown strategy look like? I'm also able to test a couple of, you know, a few different scenarios in order to be able to answer those questions. Timing of RIF payments, timing of CPP and OAS, all of these are additional considerations. And so also with business owners, I tend to, uh, again, in the interest of keeping things holistic, um, I like to work with the business owner's tax accountant so that at least we check in once a year, as well as the business owner's investment advisor so that we ensure all the moving parts are, are harmonious and, and coordinate. So, so the goal for your clients presumably is in the higher income earning years, the corporation becomes a vehicle for deferral. It's it's a fantastic vehicle for deferral, active business income earned under $500,000 um, in, in Ontario is uh, generally taxed at about 12%. And so that represents a substantial deferral versus, you know, that income is earned personally, uh, top marginal rate is, well, close to, you know, 54% in Ontario. So that that's a substantial deferral. Yeah. That's incredible. Do you, uh, do you know of, um, of any other country that has higher marginal tax rates than Canada at this point? Yeah, I'm not uh, sure I do, actually. I'm not sure that I do, no. Yeah, it's it's yeah. amazing stuff. But on the other hand, uh, you know, people seem to live relatively well in Canada, that notwithstanding, which is interesting to me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it, it, yeah. it, it is somehow possible to you know, prosper in a high tax environment. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting point, but I think all the more reason um, to to plan in order to optimize those after tax uh, dollars, because uh, with tax rates being so high, it matters. It matters how oh, you. It invest. certainly matters. It's yeah, it matters exactly, and just even understanding how much client, how much you need to save every year in order to meet your retirement goals is really huge. 
how much can you afford to spend, et cetera. Well, let me ask you this. I mean, in dollar, in, in terms of a dollar amount, uh, how much capital would you say that somebody needs to retire, you know, reasonably comfortably in the Toronto area today? Well, it's tough to say. I mean, it, it does vary across the board. And that's part of the work that I do is I, I really don't believe in a one size fits all solution because I've worked with clients that need, you know, two, three million dollars or more. And, and actually two, three million dollars wouldn't be enough. <laughs> um, I have clients that have far more than that. Uh, and on the other hand, I have clients that have, you know, a million dollars and they make it work. So it's, of course, really all about what you spend at the end of the day and uh, and how those dollars get allocated, invested. What is the tax piece as well? Right. But that's, like I said, part of the work that I do is to help people better understand what that figure should be rather than relying on a rule of thumb, which I think can sometimes be faulty. Well, it's definitely not one size fits all. But speaking of not one size fits all, you know, you were talking about if you know, your focus, or at least part of your focus is on small business people with corporations. You get U.S. citizen clients. Yes. And I have some U.S. citizen clients who have corporations as well. So that's when it gets even more exciting. <laughs> <laughs> there are um, numerous implications there. And I often find that clients are unaware of all the implications they might be aware of one or two factors like I think one that I frequently hear clients mentioning is oh I'm a U.S. you know person so I should not have a TFSA uh, there again that's not black and white but that is one that I commonly hear from clients but it's so much more extensive than that um, it you know can affect property ownership, the way property is owned, capital gains, et cetera. And then, of course, U.S. estate planning is, is another area of consideration. Even if someone is not a U.S. person, the size of their estate um, can make cross-border estate planning necessary. So lots to consider. Well, so pretty clearly U.S. citizenship is an additional cost. Uh, for people and trying to sort their lives out, I guess. For sure. But a, a worthwhile cost um, because the cost of not planning and not um, moving forward with, you know, someone who has a knowledge base in that area can be far, far, far more expensive. Well, there's no question about it. I mean, it's sort of like I remember an old years and years ago, an ad for engine oil or something like that. And mm -hmm. mechanic was saying, you know, you can either pay me now or pay me later <laughs> sort of thing. And I think that I think that there's a great deal of truth in that. Now, when you take a client yeah. on, uh, how long do you typically work with them? Well, I have most of my business owner clients I tend to work with year in and year out. Uh, as you know, planning is a process. And so we take a look at compensation planning, et cetera. And as I said, I work with the client's tax accountant and investment advisor as well. Um, so that tends to be the case, but I do have other clients that I work with more sporadically. And so it's really up to each client as to how I can best assist. Happy to be flexible. We're, we're very busy. 
So um, you, you sort of put together the initial plan. That's the the sort of initial getting started deal, and then you send them on their way. And you know, sometimes they come back for more. Well, the initial plan is done exactly. So we put everything together, but then the recommendations often need to be revisited because life changes for that client. Perhaps they've just lost their job. Um, or I have had a couple of clients this past year renounce U.S. citizenship. I have other clients that want to move to the States. These are all massive changes to their financial plan. But even if there aren't large changes, just spending varies year to year. Tax rates vary year to year. Um, if there's any change in tax legislation, then obviously that would affect the plan as well. For example, a potential change in the capital gains inclusion rate. Right. So planning is, we like to tell clients it's a process. It's not a one-time event. And much like going to see a doctor, uh, you know, it should be an annual thing where we're checking in and getting a, a checkup every year. Similarly with financial planning, <clears throat> it's a really good idea to have a financial checkup every year. And I'm always amazed at what's uncovered uh, when we work together year to year. You know, my perception of humanity generally is that um, they're not inclined to be particularly proactive about this part of their lives. What is it other than, I mean, other than just sort of a, a lack of awareness of the importance, uh, I mean, what are some of the other reasons why people have trouble with this? I mean, we sit here talking about this. I mean, it seems so obvious that this is what people need to be doing, right? Uh, I mean, there's no better use of their time than, you know, at least getting started on this because this is a process that continues, you know, while they're doing other things, right? Uh, you know, in life, et cetera. But still, people have trouble getting started with this, clearly. Why do you think that is? Um, I think there's fear on the part of a lot of people. They um, would prefer not to look at their finances because it is such an incredibly emotional experience as well. And um, that's been, you know, my experience in dealing with clients. But what I would have to say on that front is that for the clients who initially feel fearful, uh, they can't believe the load that's off their shoulders just starting the whole process. Like even before presenting them with a financial plan, when we have the very first initial introductory call, I often hear clients say, I feel better already just taking that first step. And I would say there's no matter what your situation is, for some people, they feel like it's not very good. Um, there's always a solution to every situation. And, and the next best time to plan is, is today. Okay, you didn't do it six months ago, last year, five years ago. Where are we today? And let's let's get going. Yeah, uh, it's interesting. You know, I once heard uh, I used to go. You know, years ago, I used to go to these meetings when Templeton Mutual Fund used to have these things in Toronto. And you know, and and uh, Sir John Templeton, you know, would say, "Well, you know, the best time to invest is when you have the money," sort of thing, which uh, is probably too simple of a concept for anybody to think is worth absorbing. Uh, but you know. 
you know, people do have to get started. You mentioned fear. What is it that people fear about taking steps to, you know, begin moving their life down? What is what is clearly a necessary, a necessary trip, right? Um, they there's fear. I think that things aren't going to look good. There's fear that they're not doing well, that their balance sheet doesn't look good. And just the process of putting all that information forward, they feel like, you know, everyone else is doing better than I'm doing. And I don't even want to see my net worth statement. I don't want to see it in black and white, all, you know, put together like that. And so I think that's some of the, uh, the trepidation, but the, the, there's no other way to, to plan is we, we just have to start somewhere. But I do understand uh, the concept of of fear. And like I said, I, I think it's it's a hugely emotional experience. In fact, I just had a meeting this morning with a lady who who told me that, um, who's a, a psychoanalyst. And uh, and she told me she could not believe how what an emotional experience it was for her just putting forth here. Here's what I've got. And, and you know, laying bare that way. So I, I do appreciate that. And I appreciate that my clients share such sensitive information with me and I take it very seriously. And my goal is just to do the best job possible and providing them with the best planning advice possible. Well, it must, it, you know, it must take time to develop the trust level uh, with people. I mean, you know, we live in a world where, you know, I think for good reason, you know, people are not presumptively inclined to trust with their financial information. It's true, but I think for us, um, we have an edge in that area because when people come to us, there's already, we're already starting from a certain level of trust because they know we're not going to try to sell them anything. I'm not going to try to sell you anything. I'm not going to be confident. If I refer you to a professional, it's because I like that professional. And I think that they're going to be able to help you further in whatever area, not because I'm going to be compensated any differently. So I'm amazed, to be honest, at what people will share right from the first conversation uh, because of that, because we're just we're starting from a different playing field um, than they have experienced in the past with, you know, other professionals they may have worked with that were selling product and had a, a different mandate that way well I, th I think that a lot of people sort of put professionals in two categories those who are trying to sell them investment products and the lawyers and accountants who are basically in league with the government trying to take their money through taxes <laughs> it's, it's you know, perspective <laughs> well I, I think yeah. i think it's very very difficult uh, for people to uh you know find find advisors who they feel comfortable very very difficult and that i, I, I would yeah. think is yeah, and, and that I think is probably the product that you're really selling, I think, right? Is safety. Reassurance, peace of mind. Safety, reassurance. Yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, it's like people don't expect you can give them perfect advice, but at least they're in an environment where they're going to expect that you, uh, you know, won't recommend things that are more for you than for them or something, right? Well, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, there's no question about that. But it's it's a very uh, satisfying role that I play. I, I feel 
I feel really good about the work that I do and repeatedly hear clients express how happy they are with the whole process. So it's, it's very rewarding when I see also people's you know, just basic financial and investment knowledge grow over time. Um, because, uh, you know, they often come to me with very, with often very, very little knowledge. On the other hand, I do work with clients who have done a lot of reading um, and have uh, a, a good knowledge base as well. But regardless of whether someone has a little bit of knowledge or much knowledge, planning is still required. Yeah, I think, I think there's no question about that. Well, you've been doing this now for a long time. Mm -hmm. Do you anticipate continuing to do this for a long time? Um, I would say so, because it's, like I said, it's a, it's a rewarding experience. And uh, I, I like the work that I do. And I think that makes all the difference in the world. I'm not just putting in time, but uh, I really cherish the relationships that I have with my clients. Uh, they mean a lot to me. And uh, I'm happy to, to keep doing this. Well, that's great. Okay, well, this has been a, a great conversation. I really appreciate the uh, the opportunity to have spoken with you about this stuff, especially good because you know you're you're in Canada, and uh, you know these are issues that a lot of people I know have to deal with on a daily basis. Uh, sort of as we bring this to an end, what would be a general message that you'd want to give people? I mean, you know, you're really you're really a life coach, I think, aren't you? Um, that's that's true. Yes, I, I think the message that I'd like to give people is that um, they have no idea what they're missing if they don't have a plan in place. That there is a tremendous amount of reassurance and peace of mind and uh, opportunity to have a weight lifted off their shoulders just to be able to have a life coach or a quarterback uh, like myself, who provides that holistic planning experience. Well, an experienced quarterback, an experienced quarterback. There you go. <laughs> There's only 150 people in Canada, or approximately, who, who do what you do. Well, like I said, it's it's a tougher model to follow, right? Um, I, I only get paid for the advice that I provide. So if I didn't do a good job, I, I really wouldn't have a job. <laughs> And uh, it's it's just it's it's a tougher it's a tougher mandate to follow for sure. Uh, I think what's more typical across the industry is to manage clients' portfolio, be sold based on, be compensated based on product, etc. And and that was the world that I was in for many years, actually. And I certainly learned a lot from being there. But I'm also really enjoying uh, my time with OFP because my my passion is really strictly with with the planning end of things. Well, that's great. And uh, how would people get in touch with you? Well, um, I am on LinkedIn. That's the social media that I'm most active on. So I can be found on LinkedIn. And uh, clients can also send me an email at N-G-R-O-U-N-I, which is just my last name, at objectivecfp.com. And of course, we also have a website, Objective Financial Partners, that uh, clients or prospective clients are most welcome to check out and can contact us that way too. 
That's great. Well, thank you very much. And I am, this is John Richardson. I'm speaking with Nancy Gurney of Objective Financial Partners. Thanks very much for this conversation today, Nancy. My pleasure, John. It's great to be here.